Chapter 17 of The Boy Scouts on Lost Trail by Thornton W. Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 17 Pat Goes Out. In the cold gray of breaking day, Pat hit the back trail for Woodcraft Camp. All the boys turned out to see him off. He had had a good hot breakfast. Upton and Spud had seen to that. He was traveling light, which means that save for his drinking cup and enough herb worse to make a couple cups of soup, some crackers, a handful of raisins, and his knife and matches, he carried nothing. "'Don't you want your rifle?' asked Spud. "'For what?' demanded Pat. "'The engines be all tame, and the bears be afraid, and tis no hunting trip.' Walter had given him a message to Dr. Miriam, which was as follows. "'Smuggler's Hollow. Dr. Miriam, Scoutmaster. I have the honor to report that the Lone Wolf Patrol found a man with a broken leg in Smuggler's Hollow.' and that he is now being cared for in their camp. The break is a simple fracture of the right femur, and has been set to the best of our ability. Corporal Malone will give you the details. While we think the bone has been properly set, we also feel that it should be examined without delay by a physician. Provision must be made for caring for the victim where he now is, or for getting him out where he can receive proper attention. A relief party will need extra rations. Awaiting your orders, I am, respectfully yours, Walter Upton, Leader, Lone Wolf Patrol. Gordon had not been told that Pat was going out for help, the boys rightly surmising that it would produce uneasiness which would not be conducive to the perfect quiet which he sorely needed. To the young woodsman a forty-mile hike presented no great difficulties, particularly as he carried no burden. The day promised to be fair and the ground was in good condition for walking. He swung away in the long rolling stride which all but Upton had found so hard to follow. To the uninitiated it is amazing how rapidly the woodsman's stride eats up distance, and Pat, young, long of leg and sound of wind, was just the one to show what it was capable of. He had planned to make the camp at Little Goose Pond in time for an early lunch and brief rest, and as he swung along he was in the best of spirits. To one less at home in the woods the trail might have seemed lonely, but not to Pat. His keen eyes took note of every little sign by the way, and there was not a mile of the trail on which he did not see or hear something of interest to denote the presence of furtive little wild folk. As he approached Little Goose Pond, he remembered the doe and fawns which had given him the chance to teach his comrades a lesson in sportsmanship and chuckled in pleasant thought of the way in which his fellow scouts had accepted his rebuke. He wondered if he might catch another glimpse of the woodland mother and her babies, though he doubted it, because of the lateness of the hour. By this time they would most likely be on high land lying down. Nevertheless, there was a chance that they might be at the pond, and as he drew near the little cove where they had been seen before, he moved forward with the utmost care not to make a sound. He had reached a point in the trail overlooking the cove and was moving forward cautiously, crouching to take advantage of a screen of low-growing brush, when he was startled by the crack of a rifle and almost in the same breath the high-pitched whine of a bullet as his hat flew from his head. Fortunately, he was quick-witted enough to throw himself flat. He was not an instant too soon. Even as he fell came a second crack from the farther shore of the little cove, and again the sickening whine of a missile tearing through the air at terrific speed. One who has never heard it cannot imagine the peculiarly ugly sound of a bullet passing close to the ear. Some writers speak of a bullet as whistling and others as singing. It neither whistles nor sings, it whines with a nasty ripping sound, indescribably threatening and ugly. 
Pat was on the point of yelling lustily when he thought better of it. He wanted to find out who had done the shooting, and he knew that there would be small chance of that if he made it known that it was a man who had been shot at, for he did not for even a fleeting instant think that he had been shot at deliberately. He knew that beyond question he had been mistaken for a deer or other big game by a reckless or heedless hunter, and as Irish fighting blood boiled with the desire to lay hands on the shooter and teach him a lesson, he never would forget. "'I got him!' shrilled an excited voice across the cove. "'He never moved after my second shot. He's a big buck!' "'Are you sure of it?' asked a second voice, scarcely less excited. "'Of course I'm sure of it. I could only get a glimpse of him through the bushes, but he must be a buck and a big one to stand so high. Hurry up and let's get around there,' replied the first voice. "'A buck, is it?' growled Pat, clinching and opening his big fists. "'A buck, is it?' "'Sure you'll find the biggest buck you ever laid eyes on.' He smiled grimly. He could hear the crashing of brush as the two hunters tore their way through, getting around the cove and presently the sound of labored breathing. "'Did you mark the place where he fell?' panted the one who seemed to be in the rear. "'Sure I did. It was right up here, the other side of these bushes. We'll find him in a minute.' "'You shall find him right now,' roared Pat, springing to his feet his blue eyes blazing as he confronted the speaker. The latter went suddenly white, and a look of terror swept across his face at the sudden appearance of the red-headed young giant. He was hardly more than a stripling, a city boy by the cut of him, and his companion was not more than two years his senior. Both stood as if paralyzed while Pat strode forward and tore their rifles from their unresisting hands. "'Did I hit you?' stammered the younger when he could find his tongue. "'By the grace of God, you didn't,' retorted Pat. "'But there's no thanks to you that the bullet went through my hat instead of my head. "'What was you trying to do, commit murder?' "'I, I mistook you for a deer. You see—' "'I see,' interrupted Pat. "'There's nothing the matter with me, sight. "'Tis the likes of such spalpeens as yourself that is made of learning to see, "'and tis myself will be giving you a lesson.' A big hand suddenly shot forward and gripped the surprised youngster by the collar. He was jerked from his feet across Pat's knee where, despite his struggles, he was securely held by the young lumberman's left arm, while his right rose and fell as he punctuated his remarks with resounding smacks from his open palm. "'Tis a spankin' that your mother forgot to give you when she let you loose from her apron strings. "'Tis a remedy for poor sight that maybe after—' helping you to see better the next time you go shooting you leave my brother alone the other lad now darted forward white with rage as if to throw himself on pat as he did so his eye fell on the rifles where pat had dropped them instead of attacking pat he plunged for these but pat was too quick for him dropping his blubbering victim he sprang forward and swung his big right fist just as the other got a hold of one of the rifles the blow landed fairly on the side of the head, and the would-be assailant measured his length in the brush. All the fight knocked out of him. Pat once more took possession of the rifles. His usual good nature was restored, and he grinned at his victims as he plied them with questions. "'Where you be from?' he demanded. "'New York,' replied the elder sullenly. "'And where might your camp be?' "'The other end of the pond.' "'And who might be guiding two such innocent babes in the woods?' "'None of your business,' snarled the younger, "'down whose cheeks the tears were still running. "'Truth to tell, they were tears of mortification "'rather than from pain of his chastisement. 
for Pat had hurt him more in pride than otherwise, which was quite as he had intended. Pat took a threatening step forward. "'Bill Simpson,' the elder muttered hastily. "'And where may he be now?' "'We left him a camp,' was a grudging reply. "'It's a nursemaid and not a guy that yous be needin'. "'And Bill Simpson ought to be in better business,' said Pat. "'I think I'll be turning his charges over to him, for I'm in something of a hurry. "'The two of yous trot along the trail ahead of me now.' "'He shouldered the rifles and picked up his hat.' The younger lad shuddered slightly as he saw the bullet hole in the top of the crown. Pat noticed it. "'Twas a good shot, me boy. And when you have learned never to shoot till you know what you be shooting at, you'll be getting that big buck you was after being so anxious for,' he said kindly. Then, as the two lads marched ahead of him, he discoursed fluently and emphatically on the danger of pointing a gun until the object is clearly in sight, and there can be no possibility of a mistake. It was in this order that they reached the lean-to, a grizzled guide was stooping over the fire preparing lunch. His look of blank amazement when he first caught sight of the little procession was funny to see. Pat's eyes twinkled appreciatively. "'Oh, Bill,' said he, "'I brought the babes home. Sure I thought you were old enough, Bill, to know better than to be leaving dangerous weapons where the infants could get their hands on them. You better put these where they will be after doing no harm to honest men. I was tempted to throw them in the pond, but—' They be too fine to leave rustin and no good to anyone. At this point both boys began to talk at once, giving Bill orders in no gentle tone, and the gist of these was that he should forthwith and without delay thrash Pat within an inch of his life. Bill's perplexity increased. For the love of the saints, Pat, what does it all mean? he exclaimed. It means that this young gentleman here thought he had got a buck, and instead he got a spankin' he should have had long ago, replied Pat, grinning broadly. "'But,' he added, his face sobering, "'he came nearer to getting me than I like to think about.' He held out his hat, pointing to the bullet hole. Simpson didn't need to be told to know what had happened. His face flushed an angry red as he turned to the two boys. "'So what were you two shooting at down at the end of the pond?' he exclaimed. "'If Pat hadn't licked you, I would. "'And I've a great mind to as it is. "'What did I tell you about making sure what you were shooting at "'before you laid a finger on the trigger?' "'We only just got in here this morning, and these youngsters are crazy to look for a deer,' he explained, turning to Pat. "'So while I was making camp, I let them go down to the end of the pond. I gave them fair warning before they started. But I wouldn't have let them go at all if I had dreamed that they could get into trouble. I didn't suppose there was anyone within ten miles of here. There are a couple of young upstarts with more money than brains.' Bill was a plain speaker when aroused. "'And I had misgivings when I agreed to take them in for a week.' But the color of their father's coin was good, and I thought it would be safe enough way off here. He turned once more to his crestfallen charges. This trip ends right here, he declared. We hike out of here tomorrow, and you can get some other guy to take you in if you can find one. I don't want to be taken out of corpse myself, and no more do I want to be charged with being a party to manslaughter. We'll hit the trail out the first thing tomorrow morning. Easy, Bill, easy. "'Keep your shirt on,' said Pat. "'These boys have had their lesson, "'and tis one they'll not like to forget in a hurry. "'You will have nothing more of this kind to worry about "'if I know anything about it. "'They have no more liking for killing a man than you have, Bill, "'and the memory of me old hat with a hole in it "'is going to keep him from such like carelessness in the future. "'Forget it, Bill. 
and give the lads a few lessons in the ways of the woods and teach em how to look out for others as well as for themselves well i'll see about it growled bill they've ordered me around like a dog and i've taken it because that was what i was hired out to do but if they want to stay they'll take orders from me now what are you doing up here pat on my way out from smuggler's hollow and by that same token tis wasting time that i be i have to be a woodcraft camp to-night and tis a good twenty miles yet i warm up a bit of soup at your fire and be on my way the discomfited young hunters had withdrawn to the lean-to while pat heated his soup and chatted with simpson they were both ashamed and frightened at the thought of their carelessness and what it had so nearly resulted in but for the time being mortification and resentment at the treatment they had received were uppermost for they were of that unfortunate class of spoiled youths whose every whim has been gratified they looked up quickly at bill's sudden hail of hello sheriff look for game hogs nothing doing here for we've just come in a big man whose approach they had not seen had joined the other two by the fire and was shaking hands it was a deputy who had visited plimpton at the cabin in smuggler's hollow hello pat he exclaimed thought you were over in canada by this time hunting the lost trail what are you doing here giving it up where are the rest of the boys back at the hollow replied pat answering the last question first had a message one of the boys wanted to get out of woodcraft and so i'm taking it for him did you get your man the sheriff shook his head no said he i've just come from the camps to the west and they haven't seen hair nor hide of him guess he's lit out of this country hasn't shown up in a hollow has he this was the question pat had been dreading but his irish wit was equal to the emergency unnoticed he pushed the end of the stick on which one edge of his cup of pea soup rested over the fire with the immediate result that it capsized and in the momentary confusion and laughter at his expense which followed the question was forgotten it was then that the elder of the two boys slipped out of the lean-to and getting the sheriff's eye beckoned to him are you the sheriff he asked i'm a deputy sheriff sonny why well i want you to arrest that fellow was the prompt reply of the boy as he pointed to pat arrest him what for exclaimed the astonished sheriff assault and battery do you see that bruise on the side of my face he did it and he beat my brother something awful he's a bully and a blackguard and i want him arrested the sheriff's face was a study as he turned to pat what's this i hear he demanded i thought you'd gotten all over being a bully pat why don't you take someone your own size pat grinned at the mock severity in the sheriff's tone and once more told the story and showed the bullet hole in his hat the elder man's face grew grave and stern he called the two boys over to the fire and there for the third time they were told of the seriousness of their offence and in no uncertain terms until they actually began to feel that pat had let them off lightly pat meanwhile was anxious to get away before the sheriff should ask any more embarrassing questions and at the first opportunity prepared to start if that message isn't important i'll take it out for you tomorrow, pat i'm going out that way offered the sheriff much obliged replied pat but i promise to get it out to-night besides i want to get more supplies well good luck to you i go along with you but i'm getting a bit foot-sore on this wild goose chase and so i think i'll stay here to-night and come in in the morning returned the sheriff and pat gave a sigh of relief for this was the thing he had most feared a fine lad remarked simpson as they watched pat swing up the trail 
He has the making of the best woodsman in the North Woods, declared the sheriff emphatically. He's a wonder when you think of the swearing, overgrown young bully he was a few years back. You can laugh all you please at this Boy Scout movement, but if it does for many what it has done for Pat, it's the biggest thing in the world. And to think that the boy was within an inch of losing his life this very day. Pat wasted no time on the trail. He had been delayed longer than he had realized, and it would take some tall hiking to make the lumber road before the shadows made it difficult to see the blazed trees. So he pushed on at double quick, and just as he was beginning to experience difficulty, for the forest was dense and the darkness came early at that point, he struck the road and knew that from there he could take it easy. With ten miles to go, he regarded his long hike as practically ended. At nine o'clock he was eating a hot supper at Woodcraft Camp, while between bites he told his story to Dr. Merriam. End of chapter 17